Julia, that was great. Um, it's a real privilege to be able to share with you guys today, and I thought it would be great to, to read that whole chapter. It's a bit long, but to really dwell in this story. And like Dave said earlier, this day is like the, is the most significant day on our Christian calendar. It's the day that everything changed. It's the day that history changed. It's the day of transformation. And we can kind of come sometimes, and it just sort of feels like the thing we do every year, but today's really a day to stop and come back and dwell in this story, this true story about the true God and the day that everything changed. I don't know what it would have been like. It's hard to imagine what it would have been like for the followers of Jesus over this Easter weekend. Hey, like they had given everything to this man that they put all their faith in, all their hope in. They, they believed that he was going to deliver them. He was going to rescue them. They left everything. They followed him. And, and more than that, they saw amazing things. Miracles, people healed, people fed, amazing teaching, all these things that Jesus did. But then he comes into Jerusalem and he's arrested and he's betrayed and he's crucified. And for them, all hope is lost. And you saw it in that story that they're, they're walking and they're, they're sad, they're confused, they're doubting and they're afraid. But if you think back, right, like, Actually, through most of the story, they were kind of like this still anyway. Even when they saw these amazing miracles, these amazing things, they still would be afraid. They would still doubt. And then even when Jesus said these things would happen, they still didn't believe him. But this day, that all changed. It's almost funny, right? These, these guys are there. They're afraid. They're trembling. They've heard rumors that Jesus is alive. And then they're in this room, right? And then Jesus just appears to them just comes right in and just says, peace be with you. And you can imagine why they responded like they did. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. There's all these strange things going on. But Jesus asks them this question. He says, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your mind? He shows them he's not a ghost. Like, and this is, this is an amazing truth to remember at Easter, that when we say Jesus is alive, it's not that he's just a spirit or that he's a force, but he's physically alive. Like he is a human being and he has a body and he's alive. They can touch him. He says, look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. They're standing there and, and Jesus is trying to transform and change their thinking. And this starts to happen. When he said this, he showed them his hands and their feet while they still did not believe because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? Now, now they're starting to get it, but now they're going into joy and amazement, and they're kind of like, this is almost too good to be true. I don't know if I can even believe this. And that can kind of happen after we have deep disappointment. Then when, when something goes good, it can be hard to accept because it, it seems like not possible. But he's starting to transform. He even eats in front of them so that he is actually alive. His body is different to their bodies, but it also has similarities. His body still has the wounds, the nails, the scars, but his, his body will never die again. He can just appear. He can pass through walls. His, 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 he's not being resuscitated like he's just come back to life and will die again. He will now never, ever die. His, he has full life. He has passed through death. And he starts to open their eyes so that they can see this. This is what he said 
This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that was written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Jesus is saying everything was heading towards this all the time. This is what I was telling you about. This is where the story was always going. He opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. He told them this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem." He's saying to them, the story is even bigger and better than you thought. They thought that Jesus was a prophet who was here to deliver Israel from its enemies. But Jesus is here to deliver the whole earth of the curse of sin and death and bring an entirely new creation. And that it's not just for Israel, it's for everybody. And he's trying to transform and bring these um, followers to a place where they truly trust God and can be sent out to do his work. That's why he says to them, you are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. He wants to give them his power, which happens later on. And you can see that something changed on this day for these men and the women who are following as well. Jesus has come back transformed, and now they're transformed. Jesus rises and goes back to heaven. It says they worshipped him. They returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. They spent all their time in the temple praising God. These, these believers in Jesus who before were so full of doubt and fear and confusion see that he's actually alive. He's actually passed through death. Nothing can come against him. He is true. Everything he said is true. All the hope that they thought was disappointed has been fulfilled beyond their expectations. And they are transformed. This is what Mark says, says about these guys. Everything has changed. The resurrection transformation that Jesus has gone through begins to transform the disciples. When Jesus needed them most, they disappeared. This is in the story leading up to the, to the crucifixion. Their embryonic faith is filled with fear their belief with doubt. When Jesus needed them in the garden, they are not present and awake, but asleep. When his execution comes, they vanish like ghosts. Yet upon his return from the dead, the often bumbling, doubting, sometimes power-hungry disciples morph into solid, devoted apostles, sent ones, the gold standard of Jesus' teaching. A solid, creative minority has been birthed, which will shake the world. And that's why we're here today, and, and when you look at the history, I'm not going to go into it today, but if, if you're sort of interested in this historical fact of the resurrection, there's so much evidence for it. And one of the greatest parts of evidence is just the fact that the early church, these followers of Jesus, they just exploded with this amazing faith and confidence that just changed the world. And when you look back in history, the, only, the, the best explanation for why that happened is that they actually saw Jesus alive. People have tried to explain it other ways, but they have to sort of mix and do all the different strange things. But if, you, if you're interested, look into the history, because there's a, this historical fact that the church was born, that these, these disciples started preaching and people started believing in Jesus. And it was amazing. And that's why we're here. We're here because of their message, because of their faith, because they were transformed by realizing just who God is that he's the God who raises the dead. And this is what needs to happen to us as well. We can come and we can believe that Jesus rose from the dead in our head. 
And we do, most of us, right? We believe Jesus rose from the dead. Yes, I'm a Christian. We can be believers in Jesus who have experienced him and come to have faith in him and know that he rose from the dead. But what we need to have happen to us is a deep transformation so that that truth about who God is, that truth about who Jesus is, actually changes us and creates in us this solid strength and faith that happened in the disciples. This is how N.T. Wright says it. Believing in the resurrection of Jesus isn't just a matter of believing that certain things are true about the physical body of Jesus that are being crucified. These truths are vital and non-negotiable, but they point beyond themselves to the God who was responsible for them. So saying this is not just a tick the box, yes, I believe Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. That's, just, that's my religion. That's my faith. We have to go beyond that. We have to go to who this actually shows that God is. Believing in this God means believing that it is going to all be all right. This belief is ultimately incompatible with fear. As John says in his letter, perfect love casts out fear. And the resurrection is the revelation of perfect love, God's perfect love for his human creatures. That Jesus, God, that Jesus is God, that he came to earth, became a man. And more than that, he's risen physically. He's a man. He, he sit, the, the, the person who's in charge of the whole of the universe is a human. Like that shows just how much God cares for humanity. That's why, though we may at any stage in our lives grasp the truth that God raised Jesus from the dead, we might believe that. It takes all our life long to let that belief soak through and permeate the rest of our thinking, feeling, and worrying lives. Because if you're like me, or like most of us, fear can so dominate our lives. Anxiety, worry, from the moment we're born even, we're sort of cast into this world with all this uncertainty, all these, all these problems, all this pain, all this difficulty, and we learn to live with fear. We learn to, to, to almost rely on fear. It's, it's something that we can use to protect us, something we can use to keep us safe. There's, there's a security that comes in worry. There's a security that comes in doubt. But today, the resurrection... We see who God is. We see who Jesus is. And the thing that God says to us is, why are you troubled? Why are you afraid? In fact, the most common command in the Bible is do not fear. Do not be afraid. That, that we don't have to be afraid. That we actually get to trust the God who loves us and is good. But it's so difficult. We're so, we're so used to living in fear that to let go of that and to trust his love is scary and is hard. But it's what has to happen if we're going to go through this transformation to this strong faith like the disciples and be able to actually serve and follow Jesus. We can't continue in fear. We have to let this truth go deep into, inside of us. Now, this is something that happens over time, but certain periods of time can really speed it up especially if we face a crisis. If something goes terribly wrong in our lives, that can actually be a time when God can, can pry open our grip on fear 
and pull us into a life of faith and confidence. This has actually happened to, there's a, there's a story I was reading. A lot of what I've said today is based on a, a little chapter in a book um, by N.T. Wright. And he tells a story um, from the life of the, of the Apostle Paul. So Paul, who, who persecuted Christians, and then the risen Jesus appeared to him. Again, t- t- you can't explain Paul's life and Paul's letters without Jesus actually being alive and appearing to him. And he says this again and again. This is what happened. I was going to this place and Jesus appeared to me and it changed everything for him. And we think of Paul, right? And we think of a man of great faith and confidence, and he is. But there's a story in his life when he hit a a massive crisis and he thought everything was lost. And he doesn't even say much about it or describe it, but he hints at it in 2 Corinthians. These are the verses he says here. He's writing to the Corinthians. He says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. So when he's in Asia, he encountered major, major problems. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. This is is Paul, a man who trusts God, but says he despaired of life himself. He even said this, Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. And the author I was reading, he, he said, Paul's language is like the language of depression. That Paul is in Asia, there's all these things going wrong. Seems like people are rejecting his teaching. Church that he was um, looking after is sort of going down a different path. It seems like everything Paul had been doing had started to fall apart. And when you're at a low place and something like that happens and you're already afraid, your fears can kind of compound and start spiraling in circles and it can lead to this sort of deep depression where you sentence yourself and you say, I'm out, it's done, it's over, I'm disqualified, there's no hope. And we can do this to ourselves in our thinking. It seems like this is what happened to Paul, that he reached this incredibly low place. But then he says, This, indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And this, Paul got this. He came to this low place, felt like he was out of it. He was sentenced to death. And he says, well, that's okay, because I believe in a God who raises the dead. And he realized he doesn't have to have anything. He doesn't have to have it together. He doesn't have to be productive. He doesn't have to make things work. It's God who does everything. And even in that lowest place he was, he realized the gospel, the good news about Jesus' resurrection, even reaches there. And he came to this place of deep faith and trust. And then the rest of 2 Corinthians is kind of written from that place. And Paul just being open about his failures, about his weaknesses, about his fears, and saying, it's not me, it's just Jesus. And Jesus works in human failure and Jesus works through weakness and Jesus works through suffering and he's the God that raises the dead so I can just trust him with everything. And maybe you've experienced that as well, a time of crisis, a time of pain, a time of difficulty, a time of uncertainty. And the thing that we so naturally do is go to fear and we kind of want to solve it ourselves. You want to fix it, we want to know, we want to make things work. But eventually it gets to a place where we just can't, we just can't do anything. But it's at that place we turn and realize he can. He's the God that raises the dead. N.T. Wright says it this way, I don't want to give the impression that this new reliance is easy. Someone, something that anyone can just do by snapping his or her fingers and getting on with it. 
The whole point of what I'm saying is that it isn't like that, that we are so sunk in our habits of fear and sometimes in the depressions or quasi-depressions which those habits produce, that we find it enormously difficult and often the work of years and even decades to hear the gospel of the resurrection with what Sir Edward Elgar calls our insidest inside. What I'm saying is that the message of the gospel, the message that the true God is the God who raises the dead, can and does go that deep, that wherever you may be and wherever you may hit that rock-bottom sense of despair, the gospel can reach you there too. Indeed, that is where it specializes in reaching people. It is when we are weak that we can be strong. When our strength comes to an end, that is when the life-giving wind of God starts to blow with new force. This is, this is the good news about Jesus' resurrection, that we don't have to live in fear. But it's not that, that we're going to get it all together, we're going to be strong now. It's that He's the God that raises the dead that in the worst situations, in the worst places we might find ourselves, He's there and He's working. And if He can work the salvation of the world out of the death of Jesus, He can work goodness and, and beauty and truth out of our dark and hard times. When this happens, when, when we can grasp that, when we let a crisis grow us to trust Him, to turn to Him, we say, all is lost and we, we put it on ourselves, but then we can turn and say, but he's the God that raises the dead. If we trust him with those big things, if we can trust him with death, then we can trust him with little things. Then we can trust him with everything. This is what he says. If then we recognize the truth about the surpassing God, the God who raises the dead, we can trust him with every lesser task that may come our way. He can be trusted with exams. He can be trusted with jobs even when they don't necessarily work out the way we thought they should. He can be trusted with marriage, both as we look forward to it with eagerness and trepidation, and when we find ourselves within it and facing the stresses and strains that all contemporary marriages must expect. He can be trusted with money, even when it seems as though there is even less of it available than we had thought. He can be trusted with old age. He can be trusted with death itself. Of course he can. He is the God who raises the dead, who affirms the goodness of human life, who takes precisely the situation where there seems no hope in human terms and brings new life exactly there. That's who God is. That's what the resurrection of Jesus tells us about him. And if that's who he is, we can trust him. We don't have to be afraid. When everything's falling apart, when nothing makes sense, we can rely on Him. We can come to Him. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying that this is just an easy, quick thing. This is a hard thing. This is a journey. This is a process. But it's, it's the direction we have to go. We can't let the truth of the resurrection just be a tick-the-box, yes, we believe Jesus rose from the dead. We have to go on a journey and let it transform and change us and our inside us inside, like, like He said. So if you're in a place like that today, if you're in a place where, where it just everything is falling apart, everything is hard, there seems like there's no hope, but like that you've received the sentence of death, turn to the God who raises the dead. Turn to the God who, of new life. What we believe as Christians, right, is that, that we have no hope 
that God made us, that in ourselves we have no hope, that He made the world and that we didn't trust Him, that we believed a lie about Him, that we went our own way. Instead of loving Him and loving others, instead of loving the world, we cared for ourselves, we used Him, we used others. We, we, we used the world's resources for our own sake and we didn't reflect Him, we didn't honor Him, but we rejected Him. And ultimately on the cross is the biggest example of what humans are like in their heart without God, is that when God comes and loves and cares and serves, we kill Him, we reject Him, we spit on Him. And that that's the depths of, of evil that is in our hearts. But the goodness of God is that He came to us and he said, when we were dead like that, when we were guilty like that, when we, we had no hope like that, he rescued us. He took our place. He, took, he bore the weight of sin and evil and death, and he defeated it by going through it and rising from the dead. And now he says to all of us, he says, repent, which just means turn. Turn to me and I'll give you new life. Turn to me, I'll give you a new heart. I'm making everything new. And this, this Easter Sunday is, is in some ways the end of the story of sin and death, that Jesus is alive. There's hope. But the story ultimately won't end until the end of the book of Revelation when God is going to make the whole earth new. He's going to recreate it. And, and we're not just going away to a weird sort of spiritual heavenly cloud place. God is bringing heaven and earth together recreating this world the way it was supposed to be and we will have resurrected bodies like Jesus that will never ever die that will never ever um, fail and he gives that to us for free if we believe him if we trust him if we come to him he is the God who rescues and restores. he is the God who raises the dead to become a Christian we start there and then we keep growing and let that go deep into our hearts so I hope that encourages you today, that he's the God that raises the dead. And if, and if you're listening today and you think, I haven't heard this before, I didn't, I didn't know that's what he's like, I'm not sure if I really know him, you can call upon his name. And he says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can turn to him today. You can put your faith in Jesus and ask that he would come and enter your heart and he would come and start this transforming work in your life. So we're going to sing and we're going to worship. Maybe if you guys doing the music want to, want to get ready. And I just encourage you today to, to lift your eyes to this God, that, that we are his creatures, that, that we're, we're the ones he has made. We're made and we're redeemed. We've been saved and he is God. And no matter where we're at, we can worship him. We can declare him. We can turn to him and say, you are worthy. You are amazing. You are the God who raises the dead. So I encourage you as, as we sing to turn your eyes to him, to look to him, to praise him, to worship him, and to trust him today. So I'll just pray. And then maybe, maybe if you want to stand while I'm praying, and then, then we'll sing. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you, Jesus, that you would go to the cross for us. Thank you for your resurrection power. Thank you, God, that in the, the darkest places of our hearts, you are there. And we just turn to you today. God, 
wherever we're at, Lord, and we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just give us a vision of who you are, Jesus, that you are alive, that you are in control, that you are good, that you are the head of the church, Lord, that you are the Lord of the universe. God, would you help us see that and praise you and trust you? So we just place ourselves in your hands today and just rely upon your spirit and your presence. Just pray this in your name, Lord. Amen.